to Mystics and Molder, a podcast at the intersection of faith and popular culture. I'm Sarah. And I'm Maeve. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maeve, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the spectacular, the very tall, the, the mm. deep, the woodsy, musician, hosier. The folk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Hosier. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't done this sooner. I agree. I would but, have thought we had done Hosier before Johnny Flynn. I know. I think we were just in a real big Johnny Flynn moment. <laughs> and then, but like Hosier's every day, you know? So you can't yeah. like forget about him. Yeah. It's not it's forget too about bad. him. Just, yeah. Anywho, yeah. Hosier. Uh, Hosier. <laughs> So we should probably get into a little bit about Hosier, then we'll talk about why we picked him. So according to um, the Bible of knowledge, (laughs) of knowledge, (laughs) Wikipedia, (laughs) Hosier is a, quote, Irish musician, singer, and songwriter. His music primarily draws from folk, soul, and blues, often using religious and literary themes, which if you've listened to pretty much any of his songs, those are all yeah part of them mm-hmm. um his actual name is andrew john hosier burn 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 which makes me wonder does his do his family call him andy drew oh andy right that's really sweet but that's also like the most irish name yeah <laughs> I know. andrew john hosier burn <laughs> He is best known for his song, Take Me to Church. Um, and that came from his 2013, 10 years ago, EP. <gasps> I know, right? It, I'm, my feelings are hurt that it's 10 oh years old. God. This is the anniversary. And also from his self-titled 2014 album, Other Works in this album. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still <laughs> reeling from the fact that it was 10 years ago yeah <laughs> 10 years ago our lives our lives changed forever I know um some other works from this album you may be familiar with someone new which I feel like that song was all over the radio and some ads maybe a Walgreens ad at some <laughs> <laughs> the classic marker for if a song is so popular <laughs> so true or like a Macy's ad. Yes. Oh wow. Ugh. Great music video with Natalie Dormer of uh, Game of Thrones fame. Oh. oh. Um, other good songs like Real People Do, Cherry Wine. Mm. In 2019, he came out with Wasteland, comma, baby, exclamation point. <laughs> comma, baby. <laughs> Okay, sorry, can I interrupt real quick? Oh, yeah, I just thought of this, but I am surprised that North Carolina hasn't it taken upon themselves to do a version of cherry wine called cheer wine <laughs> and <laughs> and just like really milked that song for all it's worth. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, how could they put a spin on a song about domestic abuse? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really they do anything. really have to change it. Um, <laughs> it'd be a lot of work, probably too much work, which is why they haven't done it. But still, it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny. Oh, man. Okay, sorry. Waste can, waste, waste can, wasteland, comma, baby. <laughs> okay. Um, in 2022, the summer, I went to Tizay. We did a little episode about it. And I met someone with a tattoo that said Wasteland Baby. She was from Kansas. Well, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but, you know, different, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a good sign that we're talking. We've both been to Tizay. I was in Tizay mm. with someone who had this tattoo. I feel like all spiritual people, regardless of faith, tradition, non-tradition, identity, we just love Hosier. All the cool kids listen to Hosier. All the cool kids. <laughs> um, two, I think these are the more famous songs from Wasteland Baby, Nina Cried Power, and Shrike. Mm-hmm. Not Shrek. <laughs> Shrike. <laughs> 
<laughs> or NS. Wait, what is it? N oh W M B. Yes. Yeah. N F W M B. Yeah. Um, supposedly he's coming out with a new album. <gasps> Come on, Andrew. I didn't know that. Unreal on Earth, which sounds fun. He tweeted about it in December 2021, saying, you know, I'll do everything in my power essentially to get this album out next year. It's it's past next year, Andrew. Get it going, Andy. Yeah. He has released a new song-ish that is from that album called Swan Upon Leda. And he released that in I think October, November 2022. Yeah, I think it was later in the year. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it is a really good song. Um, And so that's kind of his discography. Sarah, Mm -hmm. what do you have about his personal life? Well, (laughs) (laughs) from extensive personal research, (laughs) this is an ethnography from uh, (laughs) days of just watching him. Um, so he comes from a very creative background. His mom is an artist and his dad is a blues musician. His parents grew up Catholic, but then later became Quaker. So that's a very interesting background. I Mm. feel like, I don't know a whole lot of people who are Quaker, but especially like, I don't know what Quaker, like the percentage of Quakers internationally is either. So that's, that's really interesting to me. Uh, he started writing songs when he was 15 and taught himself how to play guitar. Amazing. I just, I mean, I can barely teach myself how to do basic things. <laughs> and the, the fact that he was so young and taught himself how to play guitar and then was like writing songs. Next Incredible. level. Prodigy. Truly. Yeah. He draws inspiration primarily from his Irish Oh, not well, yeah, from his Irish heritage, but then also African American artistry. And he said that the roots of jazz, rock, soul, and RB have all been largely shaped by Black culture, which it has. And he finds it important to credit the legacy. Um, his guitar work specifically draws from Celtic folk inspiration. And at one point, he said that he thinks the best vocalists I can think of are female, which so true. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, he has listed Aretha Franklin, Johnny Cash, Woody Guthrie, Van Morrison, Ella Fitzgerald, and Paul Simon, all legends, mm-hmm. among others as musical and vocal influences. Mm-hmm. So going back to his faith real quick, while he was raised Protestant Quaker, he now identifies, while he was (laughs) raised as Quaker, he now identifies as agnostic. Mm. Um, He said in 2019, he rarely attends church except for funerals and weddings. He admires the Quaker religion for its pacifism and its anti-war sentiment, Mm. which I guess is the same thing. Wikipedia being redundant. <laughs> Gotta get that word count in. <laughs> anyway, um, he's especially interested in how folks use religious institutions to claim quote unquote infallibility in order to gain control and power over others. He stated that one positive lesson he learned from his religious upbringing was to quote, look for the spark of the divine in every individual and treat everybody as if you are looking into the mind and face of God. That's just so Andy. It's you know what I mean? so, so Andy. I mean, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so obvious. I mean, from his music, but also just like from him citing like black women artists mm-hmm. and a lot of, uh, well, at least some like queer artists too, that, He's very socially engaged. He thinks about things deeply. Um, he's a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. That's mm. amazing. 
He is amazing. Good old Andy. Good old Andy. (laughs) So Sarah, do you want to share how you first heard about Hosier and why we may have picked him for this episode? Oh, sure. So for me, I think I heard about him on the radio first mm-hmm. um, and then heard a lot of hubbub about the, his music video for Take Me to Church. And so I watched mm-hmm. that and it's like, this is so poignant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> um, and I was like, this is great. Amazing music powerful message in the in the music video mm-hmm. uh, I want to know who this artist is and I started listening to his music loved it found out what he looks like <laughs> <laughs> loved it even more <laughs> um, yeah I think it's like a really good combination of folk music but it also um has some, I mean, like we stated earlier, like some Celtic Mm -hmm. uh, influences in there that I find really beautiful and like very melodic Mm -hmm. um, and soothing, even though it talks a lot about sad, sad topics. Um, But for me, I wanted to talk about him mostly because I love talking about him. But I think I think for both of us, it's listening to his music and also Johnny Flynn's is kind of, mm-hmm. it can be a spiritual practice in some yeah. sense and reflecting on a lot of the themes that he covers, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think he puts so much thought into it that it kind of just begs to be analyzed. Yeah, I agree. And I think mm-hmm. it's really telling that he, I mean, he's been around like in the mainstream consciousness for a decade, as we said, and he's really mm-hmm. only come out with two full length albums, but each album, like each song, you can tell he's put so much effort into mm-hmm. it, which mm-hmm. of course we'll talk about, but yeah, I mean, it's just like poetry for the ears. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> Glam poetry with music behind it. Right, truly. <laughs> How did you first hear about Hozier? the radio um Mm -hmm. like I I didn't really understand the take me to church hype I remember I was in a stats class and my teacher was playing it I was like oh all these people listening to this song and for energy I know And I was like an alternative kid. So I was like, mm. why are people glomming on to this genre when they shouldn't be? And I say kid, I was like 17 when this came out, you know, <laughs> or like 16, whatever, but still. Um, and then I got Spotify mm. Unlimited Premium. And Ooh. I would listen to the to his self-titled album from 2014 all the time when I was doing my homework. Like it was between this and the Spring Awakening Broadway soundtrack. It's just like, I know, right? Like back and forth. <laughs> um, and I ended up going to a concert for his Wasteland Baby uh, album, which Sarah, you were supposed I'm to go still, with me. I know. I'm, I still, I don't really like a lot of concerts, but that's right. the one concert that I'm like, I wish I could have gone and saw it, but can't was my mom coming or something I think so yeah moms moms I know but I ended up seeing it with one of our friends so Mm -hmm. it was all good um Wasteland Baby has now become my airplane music like every time I'm on an airplane I listen to it I don't know why um Oh, and this is also interesting that when Sophie, who was in our Town episode, and I went to see the concert, it was on his birthday, which was also St. Patrick's Day. Could he be any more Irish? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So, Sarah, <laughs> what has kept you an active listener? Like, I've seen your Spotify unwrapped. Or whatever it's called. <laughs> and I know Hosier is still in your top. Is he your number one? I, I think so. Five? I got to find this because I am shameless about this. <laughs> um, As you should be. So my, yes, Hosier was the top, art, my top artist of this year. I spent 
565 minutes <laughs> listening to him. Oh my gosh. And I was in the top 1% of Hosier listeners That's that so year amazing. in 2022. <laughs> I love it. I don't know if he made my top, but he has in the past, certainly. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that my second one was Harry Styles? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Theology of Harry Styles episode. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh. We should. So what is it? Like, why do you keep coming back to him? I just think that it's it's always... I mean, I love folk music. I love it when it's a little moody. Um, mm-hmm. I right. think it touches on topics that are kind of... I mean, all songs are about the human experience, right? But I feel like those are, like, especially sometimes heavy ones that other people other artists don't deal with but also he he is really good at I think hitting that sweet spot of like melancholy um Mm -hmm. so I think that's what I really like about it which probably says a lot of (laughs) very four very four very Um, four (laughs) we'll have to see if with this Zoloft, it changes at all. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Hoser's just too sad. Never. What what Sorry. keeps you uh listening to him? Well, as my partner says, he has a combination of fairy goddess warrior energy and wanting to run away into the forest energy, which are two things that you know are just appealing to me (laughs) um he is really I know right he has really intricate lyrics especially his first album and what I'm calling the Mm b-side of Wasteland Baby like the second half and I think his work is better understood Mm. like in the context of a full album I get so like I always listen to the album in order which I can't say I do for others I usually just kind of like skip around or like there are some songs I don't like as much but for both of his these are the two like consistent Ooh. ones that I always listen to fully because I feel like he he's yeah. just a really good storyteller um <laughs> and as I get older I feel mm. like I learn more from the lyrics and do a little analysis or I some you know a word or a phrase sticks out to me that hadn't five years ago ten years ago um, and then so many people that I love also love Hosier, mm, so yeah. it's something to bond over. So true. Yeah. We talk about him a lot. We do. <laughs> we have a group chat called Hades Town and Hosier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> that is everything you need to know about us. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um. I was just going to say, it sounds like when you were talking about listening to him, it's almost a practice of like Lectio Divina. Yeah. Like listening and like seeing what comes up and reflecting on that. That would be so fun to do like a Lectio Hosier class. Oh my gosh. A Patreon exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. Yeah. I would love that. And then as we talked about, Hosier just exudes kindness and empathy and humility. And I feel like he's a pretty private person about his like personal life, but yeah. he's also outspoken about justice issues, which I think is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. He seems, yeah, like you were saying, he seems pretty humble and doesn't, well, now I don't know if this is true, but barely what I know about him is that he doesn't seem to be trying to put himself in the spotlight. He just happens to be an artist, which means you have to be in front of people. <laughs> but I could be wrong about that. Hosier, if you're listening to this <laughs> and you think I'm wrong, feel free to tell me. <laughs> I think that's true. I mean, that's the sense I get. Like being an artist, part of it is promotion and promotion Mm -hmm. through interviews and I've seen interviews with him where people try to especially ask about his romantic life and he just shuts them down I feel like okay so there's a video on YouTube that's called like Hosier being the king of boundaries I think oh so So, good yeah I mean he's very like firm about it but also Mm -hmm. polite 
you know he's never disrespectful and laying down his boundaries he's just like I'm a person I deserve respect I deserve yeah. you know privacy so love him there's nothing about him I don't like I know me too <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about some of the themes in yes. his song <laughs> big one religion <laughs> faith <laughs> relationships specifically love and pain that combination violence domestic violence like Maeve uh, referenced earlier melancholy destruction and specifically hope in the face of destruction despite it all and then nature because he's a wood nymph <laughs> Babe, do you want to share some other themes? Sure. I, I've added a lot. Um, addiction mm. for some of his, especially his first album, mm -hmm. working and being overworked, mm. grief, which he actually names like in a few songs, um, death, the apocalypse, which I'll be talking about with my yes. song today, uh, birth and rebirth, and movement, dance, and singing as like tools of joy. Mm. Those are good. I forgot yeah. about the addiction themes. Yeah. I wonder if that, if he, like that, I mean, obviously must be personal. For him. Right. I know. I wonder if he's had an interview about some of those songs, like the Angel yeah. of Sm uh, Small Death song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Unless <laughs> Hozier wants to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share the song you picked? Yes. Okay, so I picked my favorite, well, one of my favorite Hosier songs in a week, which is, it's about, well, <laughs> it's the perspective of a corpse and their lover, who's also a corpse, and they're just in the ground. They're, they're passive, essentially. Things are happening to them, and they're kind of just watching the world go by. So mm -hmm. the lyrics say, we lay here for years or for hours, mm -hmm. your hand in my hand, so still and discreet. So long we become the flowers, we'd feed while the land and worry the sheep. They'd find us in a week when the cattle show fear, after the insects have made their claim, after the foxes have known our taste. I'd be home with you, I'd be home with you. Oh, there's just so much there. I just, I really love it. It's beautiful. It talks about death in a really beautiful way. Um, I won't go, I won't go off script because I'll just keep talking about how much. <laughs> so I'll just read what I, what I um, have written down. I think, especially with Ash Wednesday and Lent coming mm -hmm. up, uh, there's best day of the year. Best Ash day Wednesday. of the year. Our goth for God over here. <laughs> um, I think, you know, there are a lot of similar themes between Lent and the song. This idea that from dust we come and to dust we return. This beautiful, mm -hmm. that it's a beautiful tragic cycle of nature through life and death and how humans are part of that. There's this idea of accepting that death and of nature's reclamation of our bodies, which inherently is that kind of touches on the connection between humans and the land and is a critique, you know, humans are naturally separate from nature. Um, there's this inherent connection between humans, the land, and other non-human persons, which a lot of eco theology mm -hmm. and eco philosophy talk about animals as not human persons so i have kind of a long quote but i think mm -hmm. it's it's really good um i read this mm -hmm. in a class last year mm -hmm. or last semester called creation and creativity and this was i can't remember exactly what the theme of the week was or the topic of the week but it was essentially about the relationship that we have to carnivorous animals and how we're we are also part of the food web 
and it's not that we're just on top of the food chain, but we're interconnected in the web. Okay, so this is an excerpt from an essay by James Hatley called The Uncanny Goodness of Being Eaten by a Bear. <laughs> says, the goodness of the relationship between the animal and the human is actually informed by eating the animal, by ingesting the inhuman. And in doing so, one implicitly acknowledges the relationship not only can be reversed, but inevitably must be. When the remains of the Dalai Lama's parents are fed to hungry vultures, we Westerners are startled by its sense of what constitutes a proper human, quote unquote, burial. As, a gra as that graphic act demonstrates, to be edible involves the animal as well as ourselves. In a communication of life that transcends merely being a means to sustenance and opens up a particular way for compassion and so for goodness to be expressed. In fact, approaching the animal we could eat as if it were merely a means for our own life would be in itself an unethical act, an arrogant and presumptuous forgetfulness of our irretrievable involvement in all other flesh, in a community shared with non-human others. Mm -hmm. And perhaps in a limited sense, the converse is true as well. To be human and to expect not mm. to be eaten by other animals would be an act of hubris, a failure to acknowledge the goodness of the ore of living flesh in which we are intractably enmeshed. Wow. That is so powerful. I love that. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I think like a lot of times when we say, you know, oh, like we're all connected, like it's the circle of life we start seeing the lion king it's like all very kind of kumbaya yeah. like oh yeah like we get that like it's not like animals are cute mm -hmm. they're nice and they do stuff for us and like blah 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 we're but we're like better because we're humans yeah. um but i think what this song what lent and what that essay does it it reminds us that it's this connection is so much more mm -hmm. profound um and it helps us to take um, the lives of animals more seriously mm -hmm. to consider them as non-human people mm -hmm. and to give them you know the same respect and care that we give to other people to other humans specifically um, and it reminds us that when we eat animals or plants for us vegans <laughs> and vegetarians <laughs> they become part of us when we eat them and we become a part of them mm -hmm. not just on a molecular level but in some sense, a mystical and spiritual one too. Oh, wow. So I just really love this song because I think, I mean, it deals with like a heavy topic, mortality, but it does so in such a beautiful way. It reminds us, it's like very memento mori. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it reminds us of our death, but it, it also, I think there's like some hope in it in the sense mm. that we are coming back it's sort of a homecoming. We're coming mm. back from where we started, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's it's sad, and it's and in some sense, it's tragic, but it's not bad. Um, right. So, yeah, oh, I love this Sarah, song so much. This is so good. I have so many thoughts. I mean, oh, this is please. also one of my favorite Hosier songs. Yes. And as old listeners from like three years ago and now we did this mini series where we we like we're talking about death and then we ended up making playlists for our funerals mm -hmm. and since then I've made another playlist like a funeral playlist which is a lot shorter and on both of them I have this song mm. it's, it's just it really reminds me of you know green burials and the mm -hmm. sense of literally I mean as you talked about returning to the earth and becoming part of the ecosystem and feeding the ecosystem mm -hmm. and then also this kind of like permanent um sharing of body and nutrients with the person that you love the most which mm. is like kind of this eternal life that you're giving together yeah. which is just so lovely and yeah, I think as we've talked about in so many episodes in a culture that is really removed from the more grotesque and the more like natural parts of dying, death and dying, mm -hmm. it's really refreshing to hear a song, you know, that 
actually uplifts those grotesque parts and says like no this yeah. this is how we're supposed to be this isn't bad this is just what bodies do yeah um and I loved how you related it to this intrinsic connection that we have with nature and with animals and yeah I I mean that's that's fascinating I haven't thought of it that way you know the idea of it being reversed mm-hmm. I'm also yeah. curious from like a farming standpoint worry the sheep and the cattle show fear what is that like of seeing the dead bodies or like what is that mean? I Do you know? don't know I've also wondered that I don't know if it's like I guess because there's just dead bodies there, but I thought they were buried. So I don't yeah. know, maybe maybe not. I don't know. Um, Hosier, let us know. Yeah, Hosier, please tell us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it does a really good job of bringing wonder mm-hmm. and curiosity to a subject that is often taboo, like you were mm-hmm. saying. Right. The idea, it's like recycling or like composting of our like molecular, on the molecular level of like, well, we were stardust and now we're like a person and then we're going to like become a flower. What? That's crazy. <laughs> From stardust to flower. That's beautiful. Truly. Um, This is only tangentially related, mm. but I love talking about this quote. Yeah. So this is a a quote from Jeff Chu, who, uh, PTS grad, (laughs) humble brag. He said, it's often said that each creature has one sermon. And if that's true, my sermon is about compost. It's about how God has already etched a story about life, death, and resurrection into creation. And there's so much goodness waiting there, even amidst the inevitable sadness that comes with that cycle. That's so good. What would your one sermon be? Is it this? <laughs> I don't know. I think it would probably be around God's constant presence. Oh, that's good. God's not abandoning us. Yes. What would your one sermon be? I feel like I talked very similarly, like God's love and presence, especially during grief. Mm-hmm. It's usually mm-hmm. like my it just keeps coming up in sermons that I write. I was thinking just about, I mean, this is like a very kind of basic scriptural look at it, but thinking about how the first few chapters of Genesis, the beginning of, you know, our sacred text um, Mm -hmm. have to do with caretaking and like naming the animals and being in relationship to the animals. And so thinking of returning to the earth as like Mm -hmm. the final sacred act that we do to care for the earth. that's beautiful is there any tradition in which death or funeral is a sacrament oh oh I mean when we give like the last last rites you know for like Catholics yeah but I don't know I guess that I guess that's yeah like anointing the sick and yeah yeah sacrament of the healing and things like that we should make funerals into a sacrament. Yes. <laughs> if weddings are a sacrament, I mean, we, we're we not in a tradition it's where so weddings true. are a sacrament. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, Hosier only goes into churches for funerals or weddings. So even more reason. Oh, true. Another reason we can bring a- <laughs> <I know. laughs> <We> can- <laughs> them. We can rope in. Incredible. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing such a beautiful song. Oh my gosh, thank you. Okay, which one? What what's your song? Okay, my song is Okay, my song is Wasteland Baby, which is the last song on Hosier's 2019 album, and it's the title of the album, as I said before, Wasteland, comma, baby, exclamation point. (laughs) Because it's the last song, I thought I would give kind of the movements of the album, the the fuller picture. Mm -hmm. So the A side, the first half of it, it's really about um, like a joy, noise, embodiment, movement, all of these 
um, ways of connection that I think are tools of resistance. And that's really evident in like Nina cried power, almost movement, nobody to make noise. But then you get no plan, which is kind of a foreshadowing mm. of this like darker, more anxious, apocalyptic event, this disconnection that we see in the B-side. Um, and Hosier has stated that the song actually is um, inspired by like an imagined response to an apocalyptic event. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so in the B-side, okay. there's just, as I said, more anxiety, death, destruction, darkness, but also this kind of um, like rewarding acceptance of hardship and a really like unjust mm. and destructive reality. Um, and then in the second to last song, we have sunlight. So this idea of like, we're trudging mm. through darkness and we finally get to the sun, like the burst of hope. And the mm -hmm. last song to cap it all off is Wasteland Baby. And I thought I would just read some of the lyrics. It goes, all the fear and the fire of the end of the world happens each time a boy falls in love with a girl. Happens great, happens sweet, happily, I'm unfazed here too. Wasteland Baby, I'm in love, I'm in love with you. All the things yet to come are the things that have passed, like the holdings of, holding of hands, like the breaking of glass, like the bonfire that burns. At all words in the fight fell to wasteland baby i'm in love i'm in love with you and i love too that love soon might end be known in its aching shown in the shaking lately of my wasteland baby be still my indelible friend you are unbreaking though quaking though crazy that's just wasteland baby and the day that we'll watch the death of the sun that cloud in the cold and those jeans you have on then you'll gaze unafraid as they sob from the city roofs. Wasteland baby, I'm in love. I'm in love with you. Then the chorus again. And then his final line is, that's it. A little guitar strum. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to talk about the imagery. So here we have a wasteland. But what remains in it is love. So mm. we have this quaking, shaking, sobbing, these clouds this death of the sun a lot of instability kind of each internally um, in our bodies but also environmentally and I think for a lot of this album I imagine environmental destruction and kind of like apocalypse in our environment which mm -hmm. I think is really powerful when we consider the climate crisis mm -hmm. and who has grown up or you know for whom Hosier's music has had a big impact and I think that's really like our kind of sweet spot generation, which is later Gen Z and younger millennials. And Hosier, as of 2023, I think is 32. So he's like kind of in our age range as well. Mm -hmm. I, I like the idea of this kind of feeling of suffocating, like climate disaster, impending doom, um, and relating it to internal struggles as well. But then within it, finding mm -hmm. like, what is the joy? What is the hope that I can hold on to? And what is like the new reality or the, the imagination I can have for the future? So I wrote, what is there in the midst of upending pain, rapid mm. change to the world we know, and uncertainty of a safe future? And I thought of radical hope, the idea of accepting a really hard reality and imagining a new world, which I feel like is really part of the A side of this album. And then the B-side is enduring love. So I think it's really telling the last lines of the song and of the album are, I'm in love with you. That's it. And then it ends. It's like out of all of these feelings and these actions and this embodiment, like what remains out of the album, out of the human experience. And that's just love. I'm going <laughs> to cry. That's so beautiful. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I love talking about like mm -hmm. grief support. And so what helps us through grief, climate grief, interpersonal grief, and that's like support memories and above all love. And then um, I just wanted to focus still on the last line. It's a little uncharacteristic or excuse me, the last mm -hmm. song, it's a little uncharacteristic of Hosier's singing place. It's like mumbly, it's low, quiet, it's kind of muddled and hard to understand. And the music, like the guitar, it's a lot stronger mm. than his voice. But then for the last few lines, it um, gets like the music quiets down. 
And then that's when he says, like, I'm in love with you. That's it. And so I like to think of it as his last breath saying love. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am. Wow. Wow. That's just, I mean, I have no words. That's just so incredibly moving. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's the power of Andy. Oh my gosh. The ending reminds me of the last chapter in John because in it, Jesus says to Peter three times, do you love me? And then Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. At the end, this, oh my God, (laughs) I'm going to cry. And then at the end, it just says, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them. And has written them, and we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose the world itself cannot contain the books that would be written. So it's kind of just a long way of saying, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. It's I love it's that really passage. good. Just the fact that just, I feel like the arc of the story is kind of the same. Radical hope. An enduring love. Mm-hmm. If you could distill down the gospel, it would be this song. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm getting chills. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we could never write a sermon together because we would just cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. We'd be up there like looking at each other, crying and laughing. Like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> Wow, I'm so glad you included that passage. I love the, do you love me, Peter, like three times. I think I preached on it in one of my, in my preaching class last semester. Ooh. So maybe I can find the notes for that and anyway, share yeah. that. Yeah, do you remember like what the overarching I don't thing remember. That's okay. Yeah. Wow, I'm really also interested in the different expressions of climate grief. And I'm just kind of curious Mm -hmm. about, like, when that started happening, like, when people started putting climate grief into their art. Hmm. And I'm curious, like, if for you, like, how, if, if, like, there's a way you express it or not. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I felt, I felt really kind of passionate about climate justice environmental justice Mm. early in my college years and still something that right like I I do feel somewhat numb to it now because it's just been you know Mm. the conversation we've had so many times and um about like you know flooding and tornadoes and um climate change that's going to displace people and cause destruction and so I do feel like my power mm. lies in mm-hmm. voting in a lot of ways. Um, like it's not enough to right. recycle. It's not enough to completely give up having a car or using public transit. I mean, and so in terms of receiving, I think in a way to kind of reduce that numbness for our generation or our like middle ground generation, whatever, Gen Z, millennial, is to have Mm. honestly like grief support for it um, and turn Mm -hmm. that support into collective action yeah Um, but in terms of like when people started expressing climate grief I would think like um, like maybe the 60s yeah or maybe I mean maybe before that with war but um, you know when people were really noticing the effects of you know pesticides and you know, whatever in bodies and pollution of land and water. Mm-hmm. I feel like the 60s was really the kind of turning point for the environmental movement. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to do some research on the history of climate grief and yeah. creativity. <laughs> I know. That would be such a cool thesis. That would be really interesting. Yeah.
Should we move on to our last song that we're doing together? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. 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 yes I'm so yes. excited. Well, we can't talk about Hosier and not talk about Take Me to Church. So, <laughs> yes. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So, as we said, it's probably the best known song of his discography. And I Googled, how did it become so popular? And found this article. According to Forbes, British comedian Stephen Fry really liked the song and then tweeted oh. about it. And it became <laughs> famous in the UK. Um, and then around the same time, the music video that you referenced earlier, which was directed by Brendan Canty and Connell Thompson, went viral for its depiction of um, queer love and queer phobia and violence. And we'll talk about the music video a little bit more later. Um, and this was a song that propelled him into the mainstream. He was nominated for Grammys. It was all over the radio, like in TV shows. Should we look at the themes and lyrics? So one of the themes is this parallel between lover and religion. At one point in the song, he said, if the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. So mm-hmm. she's the last pope. <laughs> oh my gosh. <Essentially. laughs> the mouthpiece of God. That's funny. I feel like this song brings together two things that often people keep separately, which is faith and sexuality. But there has been a long history in the Christian Mm -hmm. tradition of these two things being intertwined. Mm -hmm. For example, in the Catholic Reformation, St. Teresa had this Mm -hmm. experience that has been carved into stone by Bernini called the ecstasy of St. Teresa and it shows this I mean essentially like orgasmic experience that she had during a mystical encounter with God she talks about how her heart was pierced Mm -hmm. by um, arrows over and over again and she's yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh um and then there's a there was one nun called Beatrice of Nazareth from the 1200s. She wrote a book called The Seven Ways of Holy Love, which is, according to Wikipedia, a work of early mystic literature that describes seven stages of love as as it is purified and transformed before it can return to God. It has a simple and balanced prose style and is associated with the emergence of the bridal mysticism movement. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the experts from it, it says, our Lord is used to give us yet another way to love at times in great bliss and then again mm-hmm. in woe. So kind wow. of this same theme that Hoser talks about of being so in love, you're in pain, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is similar to the idea of Pharmacon, which I feel like mm-hmm. we've probably talked about on this show, but yeah, I don't know. But like that, the thing that you need to stay alive is also the thing that will kill you like Mm -hmm. snake venom or your lover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he talks a lot about ecstasy and the agony of love, the life and death of love An excerpt from the, I guess it's a website pop song professor. I forgot where I got it, but speaking with the Irish times, Hosier set about matters of the heart. Quote, I found the experience of falling in love or being in love was a death, a death of everything. You kind of watch yourself die in a wonderful Mm -hmm. way, and you experience for the briefest moment, if you see yourself for a moment through their eyes, everything you believed about yourself gone in a death Mm -hmm. and rebirth sense. Yeah, death of the self. I feel like that ties, too, Mm -hmm. with what you were saying about wastelands, like the apocalypse. Um, But then there's, yeah, there's still love, though. Mm-hmm. Um, another theme within Take Me to Church is heaven in the here and now. At one point, he says, The only heaven I'll be sent to mm-hmm. is when I'm alone with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that really connects to like this idea of that the kingdom of God is among us mm-hmm. and within us, it's already here. It's not an eschatological mm-hmm. kind of sense not um but it's in the here and now Mm -hmm. and that the idea that you know liberation 
salvation, whatever you want to call it, is possible. Mm. It's possible now, and we don't have to. We don't have to wait for it. Reminds me of Hades Town, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine who is your as Orpheus? He's too tall to be Orpheus, though. I mean, he is, but <laughs> as much as I love Reeve Carney, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would, I would die to see Jose. Oh my God! I need to okay separately off the podcast, or we. I'll just cut this out. I went and saw six recently. <gasps> oh my gosh! I did too. <gasps> We have to okay, we'll talk about that later. But there was some Reeve Carney slander Wait, really? happening behind me at the theater. Oh. The people were like, I saw Hades Town and Reeve Carney was the most milk toast, uninspiring milk actor I've ever seen. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, I almost turned around and was like, How dare you? Did you see it in <laughs> New York City? Or mm-hmm. okay. People are so yeah. snobby. Wow. Uh, but I was just like that is so rude I was personally offended by that they were just like he's not like inspiring or like okay just doesn't do it then how has he played Orpheus literally for years on Broadway if he's not inspiring I know that's why it was slander (laughs) (laughs) I mean how could they Okay, anyway, back to the song. Within Take Me to Church is uh, definitely uh, this idea of there's within it a critique of the church. Um, At one point he says, I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen my knife, which is definitely a critique of church people and how like the hypocrisy within the institution Mm -hmm. and within Christians, which yes fair Mm -hmm. that is yes um Mm -hmm. and then there's another little section of verses that says something meaty for the main course that's a fine looking high horse what you got in the stable we've got a lot of starving faithful so a jab a jab at religious people who he believes are on their quote high horse smugly believing that they're better than Mm -hmm. others he continues with the high horse wordplay in with the word stable wondering what other ways high horses Mm. have quote high horses have to look down upon people he suggests that they're constantly looking for meaty ways to bring down the main course general public to a lower level and that's from (laughs) that's a genius note Mm. so that's so interesting i never thought of those i mean i guess i didn't know if i had really like analyzed the Mm. lyrics for myself but I mean, I'm I'm also thinking just of kind of the opulence of church and the ways that churches yeah. invest, not all churches, but have had a tradition of investing in things mm-hmm. that actually aren't serving mm-hmm. the people who need it the most, like investing in the elite or in appearance um, or in titles rather than actually like, you know, doing like the, the works of mercy or whatever, like feeding the poor, visiting the sick, visiting the imprisoned, you know, mm-hmm. the ways that funds can go towards towards that. And there's something also about like a stable and, and Jesus being born, you know, maybe. That I, oh, like, so, I don't know. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So it's like leaving wow. Christ out of Christmas, but you wow. know, like, what you got in the stable yeah. it's like where's Jesus and all of your discourse about helping people yeah or like why are you spiritually bypassing all of yeah. our problems um like why aren't you actually addressing the mm-hmm. material people yeah <sighs> should we talk about the music video yeah would you yeah. like to do it Sure. So this is another quote from pop song professor. Um, (laughs) And it says, quote, growing up in Ireland, the church is always there. The hypocrisy, the political cowardice, Hosier told Billboard magazine, the video has the same theme, an organization that undermines humanity. I just watched the video like an hour before we started recording. Mm -hmm. I'd seen it when it came out, but Mm -hmm. it had been a few years. Um, It has over 700 million views on YouTube. 
And I remember that a lot of people like in my high school had watched it as well. And it was something that I would hear people talking about. It's a really striking video. It's in black and white and it kind of flip-flops between the Republic of Ireland at large and then also this um, like intimate relationship between a, a queer couple. And it addresses queer phobia, violence, toxic masculinity, and this disrupted love that that is related to hate. And I think it's important to keep in mind like when this music video came out, which I think was before Ireland had legalized um, same-sex marriage mm. and you know queer marriage. And it's also interesting that like Ireland became the first country in the world to legalize marriage for queer couples, oh, the I popular vote. Yeah, in May 2015. And then the US Supreme Court legalized it in June 2015. It's like yeah, it's it's interesting for me to kind of go back to my high school self before queer marriage was legalized and and like think about the impact that a music video like this still has, but definitely had at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share that. It's a, it's a good music video. Mm-hmm. So last thing about um, Take Me to Church, there's uh, dovetailing nicely, <laughs> there's hints of embodied theology <laughs> and queer theology. In an interview with The Cut, Hosier says that the song is about asserting yourself and reclaiming your humanity through an act of love, turning your back on the theoretical thing, something that's not tangible, Mm -hmm. and choosing to worship or love something that is tangible and real, something that can be experienced. Mm. And I feel like there's a connection there with a lot of queer theology. Um, He's essentially mm. unintentionally arguing for a theology that takes the body seriously even sexuality and there's a, a famous mm-hmm. queer theologian from Argentina her name's Marcela Alteus Reed and she mm-hmm. says something to the effect of and I can't remember what book this is from but what good is a theology that abandons us in our most intimate moments so yeah yeah that's amazing. It really, I mean, so much of his work is about bodies and embodiment and movement and like connection mm-hmm. through touch and feel and being with another person. So, I mean, of course, I mean, this is going mm-hmm. back to like Teresa of Avila, like so much of her writing is about the embodied experience of a mystical vision. And, you know, I think Mm. As we've talked about in our purity culture episode, which you can check out, um, a lot of that has been stripped from like kind of public understandings of Christianity when really like Christianity is very embodied. You know, Jesus was very embodied. The way mm-hmm. that he was born, like brought into this world, the way he died are very, I mean, human and painful and bloody. And so it's strange that we've left that part of the experience outside of mm-hmm. yeah Christian discourse in a lot of ways but Hosier's uh bringing it back I guess <laughs> bringing it back <laughs> uh what good what good ministry he's <laughs> <Truly>. doing <laughs> for a little to re-embody Quaker faith <laughs> uh, all right so do you want to play our favorite game at Mystics let's play a game <laughs> Let's play a game. <laughs> okay. So the game is called How Far Would He Go? Okay. Did I write the first two and you wrote the yeah. last two? Is that what yes. happened? Okay. So I will ask okay. you again. Uh, the f- ones that I wrote. How far? <laughs> I forgot what I wrote. How far would he go to condense and bottle melancholy? Oh, he would go to the cheer wine factory. He would <laughs> He would say, North Carolina, I have the perfect idea for you. Let me use your technology for 30 minutes. And then he would have, cast a little spell on it and boom, get your own melancholy at uh, Publix. <laughs> From the vending machine. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel like it would taste different? Or it like- would taste like, like salt water. 
Hmm. Interesting. There's a there's a video. <laughs> hold on. Um, there's a video that I wanted to share with you, and it's called "Why Did So Many Lighthouse Keepers Go Mad?" And I think it's because oh. they drank this melancholy that Hosier bottled at the Cheerwine Factory. <laughs> the seawater yes (laughs) i think the reason that i asked this is have you seen or or read because of winn dixie oh my gosh yes do you remember that scene where she eats where that lady eats the candy and she's like "Mm, tastes like melancholy i do remember that yes i'm obsessed with that i think about it so often i'm like Wow. wow I feel that like unlocked something in my brain. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> We're on the quest to find food that tastes like melancholy. Yes. Or at the very least, some like Brock's jelly beans that just are <laughs> <laughs> <our> mystery flavor. <laughs> I love it. Mystery dum-dums. Mystery dum- <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, question two. Okay. How far would Hoser go to free Ireland? I mean, he would, he would, he would, he would, he would do everything he could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they should replace whatever national anthem they have now with (gasps) just a Hoser song. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, here's here's my imaginings. Republic mm-hmm. of Ireland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland, kick out England and become <laughs> and become the United Celts or whatever. <laughs> they like go on strike. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> they're like, um, actually, we don't want you here. <laughs> and Hosier's leading the campaign. With like a saber. I would follow that. A saber and then a guitar in your <gasps> hand. I'd follow that man anywhere. <laughs> <sighs> okay, my oh, question lazy. for you. How far okay. would Hosier go to fully transform into an Ent from Lord of the Rings? I hate to ask this question, but what's an end? It's a giant, uh, you can look it up, a giant Oh, the tree, tree people. Yeah. I think, you know, after he uses, <laughs> after he uses his magic to turn all chair <laughs> wine <laughs> into, <laughs> into seawater. <laughs> <laughs> his magic to turn himself into a tree oh that's great into an ant inside the factory so he <gasps> can watch watch over the bottling and <laughs> distributing process <laughs> can you imagine going on a cheer wine headquarters tour and be like and this is hosier <laughs> <laughs> and this is our tree <laughs> also a person <laughs> How far would Hosier go to bring about the apocalypse just to write a beautiful song about it? True chaotic evil energy. This this is real, real chaos energy. I think there's one part of him that definitely wants it to happen just to like, I mean, literally see the world burn. Mm. <laughs> um, but then like most of him is just too concerned about other people Ugh. and too empathetic that he wouldn't do it. And like as much as he wants to be some, have it be some artistic expression, some some performance art. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the apocalypse is a performance art. <laughs> oh my god, that that was that's a funny thought. Um, he, yeah, he just I feel like he just cares too much. Yeah. I can see that. Well, I think those are all the questions I have. It seems like we think he would go pretty far for just about everything. <laughs> for everything. <laughs> that's, that's good. 
Well, thank you, Sarah, for this magical, mystical hosier experience. Oh my gosh, thank you. Check out Mystics and Mulder on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Anchor, mm. on our Gmail. <laughs> email yeah. us. Yes, um, email us. Motion for our music. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>